Hey everybody, welcome back. We are in our 10th uh, lesson about the kingdom of God. I'm glad that you're here. If you're new here, go back 10 episodes and start from the beginning. So the main point that I want to point out today is that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you, to give us the kingdom. So I spent about uh, seven years inside of a treatment uh, center environment for at-risk youth uh, that were taken out of Los Angeles, uh, Compton, Watts, Long Beach, all of those different areas where there is a, a high um, crime rate and uh, a, a poverty rate. And so I learned something very powerful inside of that environment. When I first started working uh, with at-risk youth, I uh, worked for two different um, facilities and they had two different uh, modalities. And that was the one had the modality of fear-based motivations and that it was um, highly uh, centered around consequences and punishments and fear uh, if you step out of line, that was their mod modality inside of that uh, treatment center. And then the other treatment center was a modality of uh, a reward based. Uh, that was you saw uh, the good things that the child was doing and that you begin to reward the good things. Now, that modality was that the behavior that you wanted to continue, that was the behavior that you recognized and rewarded. So if you want more of that, then you, you point it out, you recognize it and you get it, you incentivize the, the positive behavior. So one was very uh, focusing on uh, bad behavior and punishment. And one was focusing uh, good behavior and encouraging and fostering it. So we have these kind of different concepts of God uh, that are very similar. And that is that we have, um, you know, on the rigid side, we have very fear-based motivations. And, you know, for the kids that were uh, I was working with, that could be in the form of losing privileges, uh, lo losing outings. Uh, there was even some, uh, you know, inside of uh, probation where they would threaten to uh, extend their uh, sentence. Uh, the probation officer would threaten to uh, not send them out on home pass so they could see their family. Like all these different like fear-based motivations were used to bring in a sense of compliance. And what we have inside of uh, spirituality and the kingdom of God is, is men who try to uh, employ these same methods and that is they use the uh, fear-based motivations and tried to get people to conform based upon fear. And it works in the sense of that, uh, you know, if you don't have faith-based motivation, I guess uh, fear-based motivation is uh, uh, second in line. And it seems like, uh, you know, people are complying. But here's the reality that I want to point out is that people are complying for all the wrong reasons. Okay, and that they may get uh, obedience, they may get people to fall in line, but when somebody falls in line out of fear, that is a very uh, improper motivation and actually opens them up to uh, manipulation. It opens them up to be controlled by other people, and it's not a good thing. So, how does God operate with us? That is the question. 
And so seeing these two modalities, you know, seeing the fear-based motivations, people still think that God operates on this modality. And that is that uh, the fear of hell is dangled in front of them and the the torments and and uh, that you if you don't make this decision that you are going to spend eternity inside of these flames. So choose God. Right. So I, what I do want to point out to there in this side of uh, in this offer or in this thing, what does it say of God? That if he had to use the fear of hell as a motivation to get you to love him. Let me put this in humanistic terms. That if I, as a father, uh, say to my uh, child, my either sons or daughters, that uh, you're going to love me or I'll set you on fire. <laughs> what would that uh, uh, describe of me and what would that say about me and my character that uh, that that is the offer that uh, that I, I, I am propagating? So we see that inside of that context, we say, well, well that doesn't make sense then. Uh, and I would purport to you that it doesn't. And so the offer of life is something far different. And it's not the the idea of a fire insurance that you can um, inspire the fear of hell so much that um, that you come with your offer of life. That's not God's mode of operation. And so the good news, I already talked about this uh, in very uh, uh, manner, but it was to be delivered from the kingdom of, of darkness and to be translated into the kingdom of his son. And that there was a reign of a new king that was that was coming upon this earth and heaven was going to start invading earth and that we could be citizens inside of that kingdom. And that kingdom will will grow and, and will will be part of a revolution that that kingdom begins to establish its kingdom upon the earth. Now, that was the view. And not only that, but uh, all of your sins are forgiven and you have peace with God and, and uh, you have this community in which you can be involved in that would encourage you and support you, right? That's all good news. And so it's quite different from the fear-based motivations that we have today. So we see here that that God's mode of operation is to proclaim the good news and to show you uh, what it is that he wants to wants to give you. And all of that is very uh, incentivized uh, sort of motivation. It doesn't tap into the the fear based motivations uh, that we have today. Now, some people say, um, you know, the fear of God has its place. And I would give in context that the, the fear of God was uh, uh, inner reverence. It was that you thoroughly believed that he was worthy, uh, that he was great and that he was worthy of honor and worthy of respect and all those different things. If that's what you're talking about, but the fear of God, then I wholeheartedly agree. But if your mode of operation is to uh, that people get terrified in the sense that they're scared of what is going to to happen to them, then that is never a proper motivation. 
So imagine this for a moment, once again, in humanistic terms, that I am uh, going to get married and my wife is walking down the altar and part of the vows were, you know, 100% uh, commitment and allegiance, or I'm going to set you on fire. And if I had to uh, use that as a mode of operation to inspire commitment, once again, that would be something that is uh, severely wrong with me. And so we understand that the gospel is something far different. And what that is, is a, a message of hope and of love and of goodness uh, to the point where it would inspire gratitude inside of a person. And from that uh, love and from that gratitude would uh, would be a relationship that's that's established upon that and not upon any sort of like fear based motivations. So, you know, the apostle says that perfect love drives out all fear because fear has torment and he that fears is not made perfect in love. And so I would say the same thing that inside of the kingdom, the fear based motivations have no place. And that love is the motivating factor of both uh, what God wants to give to us to love us for us to receive what he has to give us. And that would well end up a sense of love and gratitude and return back to him. We love him because he first loved us. And so seeing and feeling and experiencing the, the goodness and the love of God inside of our lives is what wells in us a sense of gratitude that establishes this relationship uh, inside of love that doesn't need fear to hold it up. Now, oftentimes, uh, well-meaning people would use fear, and that is uh, to motivate somebody to pray more, to fast more, to give more, to read more, and to all these different things. They will, they will use fear as a motivating factor to get people to begin to do those things. And I say that that is a manipulation tool and that it has no place inside of the kingdom and God doesn't operate on that system and on that plane. He says, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And we have to understand that that is his mode of operation. So I want you to uh, hear this as God were saying it to me personally, Tim, don't be afraid. I don't want you to live in fear. What I want you to know is that it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, when we, when we sit with that and we, and we receive it, uh, we feel and understand that God operates on totally different plane than these fear-based motivators that are inside of the church and inside of the world today that he wants to give us the kingdom. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. What's coming to my mind right now is that, you know, Jesus said, um, if your son asks uh, for some bread, would you give him a serpent? Or if he asked for a fish, would he give him a stone? 
And he says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your father in heaven? So he once again tells this humanistic uh, parable for us to grasp and understand this, that mediocre fathers, let's just say just mediocre. They're, they're not great, right? They're just mediocre. A mediocre father, when his son asks for some food, he doesn't uh, give him a rock sandwich, right? Uh, even mediocre fathers go out there and provide uh, food for their kids, right? Um, and that is the message that he wants to drive home is that we who are quite mediocre and uh, uh, often uh, perverted, uh, corrupt and evil, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more does our, our father in heaven? And so we have this uh, thought and idea that, that God wants to give us the exact opposite of what it is that we want. And that's just simply not the case. When he talked about seeking first the kingdom of God, he acknowledged that you needed food and that you needed clothes and all of these different things. He just said, seek first and all of those other things will be provided for you. Okay. All right. Let's look at the different translations. NLT. For it gives your father great happiness to give you judgment, criticism, and punishment. No, it doesn't say that. It says, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. The BLB translation, the father took great delight in giving you pain and calamity. No, it doesn't say that either. It says the father took great delight to give you the kingdom. The Aramic translation, the father desires to give you hellfire and brimstone. No, he desires to give you the kingdom. The WNT translation says this about uh, the fear-based motivations. He said to dismiss your fears. And the Amplified version says, do not be afraid and be anxious. So in all of this, it's, it's, it's drop the fear-based motivations. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Understand this, that your father, it's, it, it causes him great delight and it brings him happiness and joy on the inside when he gives you the kingdom. So we ask ourselves this, what exactly is God want to give us? And the, there's been quite a, a, a bit of focus on some of the wrong things, you know, inside of uh, the world today and uh, lesser focuses. Now, I know that, um, you know, God wants to give us e eternal life and that we experience immortality. I think, it, you know, it taps into the greatest fear uh, that we have, that we will die and that we'll no longer be existent. So, I, you know, I get the, the longing for immortality. And, but in context, it's not so much that as it is coming inside of the kingdom and experiencing his, uh, his rule and reign and being under his sway and being under his influence that we've, uh, we've promoted some things that, that God wants to, uh, give us over 
what he actually wants to give us. And that is the things that are inside of the kingdom. Now, it's, it's even not just the kingdom. It's everything that happens inside of that kingdom that he wants to begin to give us. And so it's just not simply one thing. So we're going to talk about everything that uh, happens inside of that kingdom in a little bit, but I want to flesh out the, the, these words in defining them. So we, we thoroughly grasp what is being said here. My goal in all of these things is to uh, understand the scripture more, but then to bring it into the realm of the kingdom and then bring it into the realm of personal application. So fear, it is is where we get the word uh, phobia. It's phobio, frightened and alarm. It's feeling this overwhelming sense of danger and that you're urgently worried and concerned and frightened. It's to be thrown into a state of panic. And what I do want to point out with that is not only in the religious community is fear-based motivations being uh, propagated, but inside the world and its systems, if we can get, uh, they know if they can get people afraid, if they can get them worried and concerned about something, if they can throw people into a state of panic, then they could, uh, they can predict behavior. And not only that, but they can prod and manipulate into a certain behavior. And wicked men have known this for a long time. You know, we think that uh, people can um, predict trends. Uh, The most elite don't just predict. They cause and they motivate that trend. That means they they trigger in something that frightens alarms and all this different stuff. It gets people in a state of panic. So they get them to uh, act out on a certain behavior. They know. Okay. Uh, this plays out inside of um, voting. That before voting, there'll be massive uh, unrest in the streets and riots and all these different things. And people just want that to end. And so the fear-based mot- motivations rack up. And if we just vote this side, then it all will stop and it will go back to normal. That is the uh, uh, program mode of operation. And we have seen it play out for at least a decade. All right. So fear-based motivations. That's what the world uses. Now, this, uh, um, this idea of finding pleasure in something is the idea of, of, of finding a gratification and a joy inside of that behavior. In other words, giving you the kingdom, giving us the kingdom of God. It brings gratification to the heart of God. It fills him with a sense of joy and it makes him smile. That God wants to us to come under his realm and to be inside his, his reign and that his will can be done inside of our lives on, on earth in our realm, just like it is done in heaven. Uh, this excites and brings delight and joy and happiness to God. What does it mean to give? Give means to put into the possession of another for, for, for their use. It means to offer, to bestow, and to deliver. That is that you're committing something to another person's responsibility and you are placing it inside 
of their hands. And this is the reality about the kingdom that he is uh, giving this as a gift and he's placing it inside of our hands and that we begin to enter in to that realm. And that is a powerful reality. Listen to this scripture. You know it. You've been taught it. It's been uh, drilled into us, you know, inside of Sunday school, if you've grown up in church. For God, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What I want to tap into here is that God so loved that he gave. And his motivation is not from fear. His motivation comes from inside of himself that he is love and that he manifests that love. And so from that uh, pure motivation of that love, it compelled him to give. Now, this is the this taps into the ultimate motivations. You know, there's people that give for multiple different reasons. You know, the people that practice fear based motivations, they can they can, uh, you know, drill in and begin to inspire fear. If you don't um, if you don't start paying your tithe, we're no longer going to be supporting. The lights are going to go off and we're no longer going to be, you know, uh, a beacon inside of the community. Whatever fear based motivations they want to use, they they paint this picture and it causes people to give. Uh, from a different form of love, but God has uh, uh, is pure, and He established the um, that the giving that comes from Him. It's motivated out of love, and He so loved that He gave, and that is a, a powerful. What did He give? We're going to talk about that uh, now inside of uh, the kingdom. What What is being offered? What is inside the kingdom? What it is that God actually wants to give us? The Bible says this, come to me. All of you are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You see, outside of the kingdom of God is multiple different modalities and that is the, the main one that is propagated is that of legalism. And it's that of here, you know, here's all the rules. Here's everything that you need to do. And you get, you get packed down with rules, rituals, regulations, and everything that you have to do. And Jesus knew that inside of his culture. And he was there and he said, you know what, if you are, uh, labor, if you're exhausted, if you are heavy, heavy laden, and that is with the burdens of religiosity, or, or if it's just uh, heavy laden with the concerns and the fears uh, of society, whatever it is, he wants to um, take those people who are under this fear-based system whether it be from religiosity or from the world. And he wants to give, say that word with me. He wants to give you more torment. No, he wants to give you rest. And what is rest? But a peaceful state of not a gnawing sense of unworthiness. 
You see, inside of uh, religiosity, there is an unrest of the soul. And that is, have I done enough? Does God really love me? Am I actually acceptable to him? Deep down inside, inside of religiosity, we have this gnawing sense of nothing we do is ever good enough and we cannot please him and God is not happy. And every time he looks at us, he's frustrated and disappointed with us all the time. And that's what's being propagated. And so rest would be, I am loved. I am accepted. I am inside of the family. I am his child. And resting inside of those realities. You see, the need to prove something. To uh, feel okay. Is what I'm talking about here. And this often happens inside of ambitious people. And that is, in order for them to feel okay about themselves, they have to be hitting six figures, seven figures, eight figures salary. They have to have a thriving business. Uh, they have to have all of these different things to, in order to be okay with themselves. And so their ambition and their hunger uh, 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 wells in them to, to set out and pursue these things because they're not okay unless they have them. And they've adopted and accepted the mindset that, that they, they have to be perfect, right? So they give the illusion of perfection and all these different things. And it's absolutely positively exhausting. Anybody who is on a quest to get from God what they have already been given is in this hamster wheel and it's exhausting. And my mental picture that happens in my mind is the, the carrot on a stick and the donkey is uh, uh, steadily moving forward and walking and hoping uh, that he's going to get uh, this uh, carrot on the stick and, and it's constantly in front of him and he keeps performing and he keeps going and it's just never within the grasp. It's the hamster on the wheel that is going nowhere really fast in hopes that uh, you know they are going to obtain it. Now, I'm not foolish to think that some people don't obtain these things. But the reality is, is that some people do obtain six figures, seven figures, thriving business, whatever it is that, that, that they feel is going to make them okay. You know, having this many followers or being on the stage and, and talking to this many people. And we like to think that the religious community is exempt from these things and they're not. Pastors think, man, if I can get these uh, number of people inside of my congregation, if I can uh, preach to this amount of people and blah, 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 blah. And it's all saying that I am not okay unless. And God comes to that mentality and says, you know what? I want to give you rest. And that is that I want you to get off the hamster wheel. I want you to stop thinking that you don't have these things inside the kingdom. They are yours. I love you. You are my son. You are accepted inside of my family. Now stand in that place of power and live from there.
You see, religion is quite different. It puts us in a quest to get those things. And that if we somehow measure up, if we somehow do all of these different things, and then and then maybe the carrot on the stick says maybe we'll be part of the family. God will love, uh, love us and, and we'll be accepted inside and we'll have our place at the table. But God's mode of operation is different. He's inviting people to the kingdom. And that is that you, you get the ring. You get the robe, you get the sandals on your feet, and he restores you to your place of power and dominion and says, you are my son. This is your place at the table. This is the good news. This is what I'm offering you, a place inside of my kingdom to sit at my table and that you could start begin to operate in your life from that place, a place of power, and you could drop the quest of searching for it or longing for it to happen in some future day. Uh, we do this in so many ways uh, under the guise of religiosity. And that is we're looking to a future day of revival. It's a common word inside of religious communities. We need revival. And what that is saying is that there, there's a future day that God's blessing is going to be poured out. And we don't really have it right now. But if we get our act together... Um, we can experience the reality of that. And that is absolutely contrary to the message of the kingdom. It is his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come inside. Come take your place at the table. And if we started telling people that message, people are going to get revived with life based upon the reality of what God has already done. They'll begin to grab it. They'll begin to hold it. And they'll begin to take possession of it. And that would ultimately be an amazing, amazing revival. Come to me and I will give you rest. Listen to this scripture. This one baffled me when I read it because of uh, the fear both motivations and the, re and the religiosity that's out there. The glory. This is Jesus talking to the Father. The glory, the heaviness, the weightiness, the presence and the power of the King. This is what's wrapped up in this word glory that you have given me. I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. And so we have this concept and idea that God shares his glory with no man. And not only that, but this nasty sense of a deity that does everything for his own personal glory. And that he's like somehow this, this thing that needs to be applauded and, and appeased and that he has some sort of sick need, be, need based behavior that he, he must have man glorify him. And when I think of who that is, I think that it is actually Satan and the devil who has that mindset because inside of the kingdom, the king says, the glory which you have given me, I have given them. And this is ultimately a concept and the idea that God shares his glory. And that the everything, the weightiness, the presence, the power of God, we get to partake inside of that and we begin to be sharers of that. And this is why everything about the gospel is with the king. 
that we're dead with him, that we're buried with him, that we rise with him, that we sit with him, and that we reign with him. Everything is this shared glory that he wants us to participate in. That is good, powerful, powerful news. He wants to give us this glory. And this rest and this glory and the things that he wants to give us are inside of the kingdom. Jesus says this, I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper and he will abide with you forever. What is he going to give you? He is going to give you the helper also called the comforter also called the Holy Spirit of God. So inside of the kingdom, we have rest. We have his glory. We have the spirit that energizes and empowers us. That is all inside of the kingdom. I ain't done yet. Behold, I give you power and authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Inside of the kingdom is a restoration of the power and the authority that man lost. I give this to you. I place this inside of your hands. You can begin to rise inside of your authority. You can begin to cause and allow my kingdom to invade your life by the mindset, the choices, and the decisions that you make. Not only is that true, but you can cause the, the, the heaven to, to begin to invade your realm, your sphere, your jurisdiction, the place that you have dominion over, that the kingdom can begin to operate there also, I give you authority. I see this inside of the prodigal son and the father giving the ring. And that ring was a signet of power and authority that was often used to stamp official documents that the ring, the seal was placed back on his hand saying, I give you back your authority. I know you thought that libertine life of, of a license to sin was a good life. I know that you, you went off and you, you tried those things and you had an emptiness inside of your heart and you have come to your senses and you have returned home and I give you back your authority. I ain't done yet. I give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will take the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, I, uh, I see the importance of um, us surrendering our hearts to him. I, you know, I see the importance. I see the scripture that says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. I get that. But what needs to be magnified even more than that? is that God gives a new heart to us. You see that surrender and that yieldingness to the process of us giving our heart to him. It's not like he patches it and repairs it. 
He grabs the stony heart in his hand. It becomes a heart of flesh and it begins to beat again for passion and love for its creator. And we begin to get a heart that longs for righteousness. We don't, we don't have to build up desire anymore. We long to. In fact, when we don't um, uh, begin to uh, practice righteousness, it bugs us. And the reality is, is because we want, we have this new heart with new desires and we long uh, for him and his righteousness. I'm not done yet. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, I want you to look at strength in this fashion, that uh, we, we are human and that we have uh, certain limitations and that we have uh, deficiencies, we have frailties, we have things where we fall short. Some of us have uh, propensities and that is a natural gravitation to certain detrimental things. And we have that because of the iniquity that we have been raised in. And it's based upon a lot of times the environment in which we were raised and the culture in which we were uh, uh, brought up in and all these different things. And that in the sense of understanding that when we are weak, he, he is strong and that we are to uh, take our weaknesses and understand that he gives us strength, that he is the power that energizes us to begin to overcome all of those weaknesses. I ain't done yet, but this is the last one. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain judgment, criticism, and condemnation. No, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So this is obtaining, this is coming boldly. This is grabbing a hold of the grace of God. You see, the Bible says that uh, we, uh, we will reign in life by receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And there's many people that want to begin to reign. That is, they want to begin to triumph victoriously over their addictions. They want to triumph victorious over the bad habits that are inside of their lives. They want to be victorious. They want to walk in victory. And what they don't understand is that is the gift or that is what is offered inside of the kingdom. And it's by experiencing the grace of God and the gift of righteousness. Now, on the flip side, the opposite of the grace of God is the, the disapproval and the judgment of God. And the opposite of righteousness is, is a work-based performance. So if you are trying to overcome, gain victory and all those different things by legalistic forms of, of works-based righteousness, and you are not receiving the grace, you're actually receiving the, the judgment and the condemnation because you don't measure up to the standard. That is not going to get you the victory that you want. That is a religious kingdom. That is a religious mindset. And if you want to experience the power and the ability of God that happens inside of the kingdom and he's good pleasure, it makes him happy for you to begin to access all of these things. God wants to give you rest. 
God wants to share his glory with you. God wants you to be empowered and energized by the Holy Spirit who is there to help you. And he's there to comfort you. He wants to give you that power that you understand that you can tread on scorpions and over all. Some? No. All. The power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He wants you to understand that you have a changed heart. Christianity is more... Uh, is more than just giving your heart to him. It's him giving a new heart to you. It's only half the truth. The other half is the, the new heart that he has given to you. And he wants to give you strength and he wants to give you help. And all of this is wrapped up inside of the kingdom. So my call is this. Either to come inside the kingdom because you recognize that you were, you were in a form of legalism or you're a form of libertinism and you never really grasp the benefits of what it's uh, happening inside of the kingdom. I, I invite you to come in. And if you are inside of the kingdom, I would invite you to see all of these things that God wants to give us and he wants to give them to us with a smile. It's his good pleasure to give us all of these things that you would begin to see and recognize what you have and that you begin to walk in the full manifestation of it. That's powerful reality. I'll see you later. Peace.